You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. You are a child of God. We heard words such as surrender in our praise today. It's all about surrender and letting go. And I, I think it's amazing how God works because Adam and I did not get together before this service or this week. And I didn't tell him, hey, this is all that I'm going to be preaching on today. And, and uh, so could you kind of lean this way, maybe play this song or that? But when God's in it and He has a plan and wants to say something, it all comes together because these songs that we sang of praise this morning could not go any better and fit more perfectly than the message that God wants us to hear today. So first and foremost, I just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here at Bethel Bible Church in White House. My name is Casey Rivers. For those of you that don't know me, I'm, I'm one of the youth leaders here uh, at our White House location. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Bethel Bible Church, we're actually one church with three separate campuses. So we have our south campus, which is our, our main campus. We have our downtown campus, and we have right here our very own White House campus. Now, my wife and my kids and I, we started out as members of Bethel Bible Church going to the south campus. Love the south campus. I love all of our campuses. I love our church family but we started out going to the South Campus until, this is the big until, until we found out, I hate to say this, until we found out that all the cool people go to White House. And then it just became obvious that this is where we belong because we're so cool, my, my, my circus and I, we have. Hey, and by the way, my beautiful wife is sitting right up here, and since I have control of the mic, I'm just going to say a happy birthday to Donnie Rivers. And how about that, y'all? She's, she's still a year and eight months older than me and always will be. She's my elder. I respect you, baby. I really do. So, uh, you know, three campuses. Some people might say a disadvantage is to having three campuses might look something like well, hey, we don't really get to know all of our church family that well. And really, that's not true because through opportunities and ministry, because we're a very mission-minded church, and through different events that our churches may hold, there's opportunities for all of us to come together and get to know other church family and other church members. And that opportunity actually happened for me and a group of us just here recently, there's going to be a picture pop up on the screen here. I want you to look at that motley crew right there. That right there pictured is 21 Bethel Bible youth, high schoolers, and four Bethel Bible uh, high school leaders. Now, we're representing our White House campus and the South campus. Okay, so we were about to embark on our journey to Buena Vista or Buena Vista, or as the locals called it, BV. We're going to Buena Vista, Colorado. Uh, but along the way, we stopped because it's a 14-hour drive. We stopped in Amarillo. Has anybody ever heard of Cadillac Ranch in Amarillo? Okay, you stop in 
That's the gist of it right there. Somebody thought, you know what? I'm going to take this Cadillac and I'm going to bury it in the ground. If that's not good enough, I think I'm going to do nine more just like it. So we showed up and usually there's always a good lesson to learn every step along the way in a youth trip. But in this case, we said, okay, let's just stop. And uh, the lesson here, let's get good at graffiti. So we handed, uh, we were handed paint, spray paint cans and we painted these cars and uh, we spent our first night in Amarillo, and then the journey began, the real adventure began the next day when we, when we finally made it to Buena Vista, Colorado, because we had the opportunity to do things like whitewater rafting, and if Jackie Hernandez was here, I would mention possibly that she might have fallen out of the raft, but I'm not going to say that she did or not, uh, but we also had uh, mountain climbing. So right there we have Miss Caitlin Johnson. She's scaling up a wall. It it looks straight up because it is. It's pretty steep. And she's scaling up that thing like a spider monkey. We also had uh, rappelling. So you see, uh, I believe that is London and Angela. They're making their way down the cliff right there. Uh, Y'all, we all got back with 10 fingers and 10 toes and healthy. It looks scary. And it was at times. Uh, But also, we had a seven-mile hike one day, our last day together. It was a lot of fun. You know, I mentioned uh, that we loaded up on that first day, but we loaded up segregated. It was kind of a crazy thing. We loaded up, and one van was the South Campus. One van was the White House Campus. But through a series of of adventure and the things where we had to pull together and come together as one body, we came back here to Texas all mixed up and all in one community of believers, Bethel Bible Church youth. It was was a beautiful thing to see. And I just want to say that every one of you should be so proud of these students, especially you parents of the students, because not only did these youth represent Bethel Bible Church so well, they exemplified and they represented Jesus Christ so well. And we couldn't have been more proud of them and who they are. And it's just evidence of that you guys are raising them up in the way that they should go so that they shall not depart from it. That's one thing I absolutely love about this church is raising up leaders. And that goes from young to old not, not real old. We don't have a lot of old, old people in here. Um, so our goal of the week was this. When we arrived in Colorado, we definitely, we wanted to come back different than when we left home. We wanted to go deeper with God. We wanted to take the physical challenges and circumstances that we would face and address our spiritual challenges and circumstances. Because of our experiences there, how will we parallel that? What can we learn from what we will face here? That was our challenge, but we challenged our students to go deeper with God. We challenged them to unplug and to have time alone with God in a place that was so different than here in East Texas. To get away from the hustle and bustle to get away from the regular routine of every day, to sit in God's creation in the mountains by the rivers and and enjoy His beauty and to go deeper with God while we're there. And we 
did that. We experienced that. We went deeper with God. That was successful. Now, we understand this, that all the fun stuff, like the whitewater rafting, the mountain climbing, the rappelling, the hiking, all these things are great highlights. They're wonderful highlights. But our challenge to the students wasn't for them to remember every word of every session, every Bible study that we had. Our challenge to them was to remember one word, to let one word resonate in their hearts and in their minds. Let that one word change them. Let that one word bring them back stronger and different than when they left here. And that one word is faith. Faith. We didn't just go on an adventure in Colorado. We went on an adventure of faith. Now, that is my challenge to every one of us here this morning. is to let that one word, faith, resonate in our hearts, in, in our minds, so that a better understanding of it will result in every one of us going deeper with God. Fearlessly going deeper with God. Because you know, all my life, I've heard the word. How many of you can say, faith, you've used the word faith in many occasions in your, as a Christian. You know, we, we understand that faith is a huge part of our belief system. It's a huge part of Christianity, but are we solid on its meaning? So let's look at this adventure of faith. But instead of stating what faith is right off the bat this morning, I want to be sure and state what faith is not. And this is exactly how we started our time in Colorado together when we sat down and had our first session. Faith is not blindly following somewhere without thought or resistance. You get that? Faith is not blindly following somewhere without any thought or resistance. That is way far from the truth. Matter of fact, biblical faith, it makes full use of this noggin right here. Biblical faith makes full use of the mind and reason. And we'll discuss that more in detail as we go. So here's the thing. Jumping right into it, what is biblical faith? What is this thing that we speak of as Christians when we speak of who we are, when we're asked to give a reason for why we believe, what is biblical faith? So here it is, coming from the mouth of one of our own very, our very own Bethel members and apologist Chris Sherrod, he defines biblical faith as this. Trusting in what you have reason to believe is true. I really like that. Say it again. Trusting in what you have reason to believe is true. Because this is the deal. I have good reason. I have good reason to trust in Jesus. I have good reason to trust that God is who He says He is on so many accounts. 
I could trust and believe in who he is and have reason to believe he, who he is just from this right here, just from this word right here, the truths that are held, the promises that are held in these pages right here. But I can also step out of my house every day and I can find reason to believe. I can step out before the sun rises and see a beautiful sunrise. I can, I, you can think the, of a birth of a newborn child and everything that has to happen. You can think of the tide going in and out and that the earth is just the right distance from the sun that we're not freezing or we're not frying up. God is in control. Amen? He is faithful. I have reason to believe. Trusting in what you have reason to believe is true. Apologist Josh McDowell once said, My heart cannot rejoice in what my mind rejects as false. That's pretty deep too. My heart cannot rejoice in what my mind rejects as false. So what that's telling me is that biblical faith is believing in the irrefutable object of God Himself. Not just a poof. Not just a myth. We're talking about a real, living, breathing God who was and is and is to come from the very beginning, believing in the irrefutable object of God Himself. But now, turning to God's Word, we find the ultimate definition of faith. And we're going to find that in Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to be in that all this morning. So if you want to go ahead and, and turn your Bibles to, to Hebrews chapter 11. It's also known as the Heroes of Faith chapter. One thing I want us to do right off the bat is I would love for us all to stand together and read, God, read God's Word right here. That very first birth, that very first verse is the ultimate definition of what faith is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and say it with me. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And depending on what translation you're holding in your hand today, Depending on what Bible you're reading from, I, I read out of the NIV. Some of you may be strictly King James Version, the Message Bible, whatever it is. There's different translations that are getting to the same point. But mine reads assurance about what we do not see. But some of yours might say this one word that I, I really like. Certainty. Certainty about what we do not see. I like that word certainty because faith in Jesus isn't just some strong wishful thinking. And it's not just a maybe or a hopefully. It is a certainty. It is solid. It is certainty. So as believers, I want you all to take this into mind. As believers, every one of us are allowed and we are encouraged to look at the complexity of creation, the records of history, the signs of archaeology, the miracles of God, 
and the fulfilled prophecies of Scripture that defy all odds, all of these are components of our faith. We're not just falling into this blindly. This morning with the youth, I had J.C. stand up. I said, J.C., let's look at faith a little bit here. Won't you stand up? Come to the middle of the room. She stood up, and I said, now close your eyes. Close your eyes. She, she's just following instructions. And then she, I said, hold out your arms. She held out her arms. And I said, all right, J.C., just fall backwards. Trust me, just fall backwards. She opened her eyes. Because behind her, you know what was behind her? Nothing. Concrete. That was it. Isn't that crazy that some people think that faith is so blind that they're, they're willing just to, to follow after something without thought or resistance. But our faith is built on solid ground. It is solid. As believers, we're allowed to search all these things. And again, it's making use of the mind and of reason. So this morning, I want us all to buckle in because I want to dig into this chapter, Heroes of Faith. And I want us to see what faith in action looks like. So skipping past our definition in verse 1 right there, I want to skip on to 2 because this is... This verse 2 is setting up the rest of the chapter because it speaks of a group of people. It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients, in other words, the people, the Bible stories, the characters that every one of us grew up hearing about all of our lives. It says, this is what they are commended for. So starting now in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was, universe was formed at God's command so that it is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now I want to stop right there for just a second and look at that verse one more time. Verse 6 in chapter 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you is your desire this morning to please God? You know, there's so many people out there that that is not their mindset. They're out to do a good deed, but it's not to please God. It's to say, look at me. Look what I'm doing. That's not faith. And it should be, faith is to please God. Reading on, it says, because anyone who comes to Him must believe. Say that word with me. Believe. Must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now, if we want the real results from a real faith, it takes 
believing in a real God, placing our faith and our trust in a real sovereign God, a faithful God. And there again, it goes back to my heart cannot rejoice in what my mind rejects as false. Faith is believing. You know, while we were there and having this session with uh, the students there, I asked the question, I said, how many, this is your first time to Colorado? There was a few of them raised their hand. So I picked on one of the students, and it's okay because they were from South Campus. It doesn't matter. So I picked on one of the South Campus students, and, and I said, I got a question for you. I said, before you left here, did you know that those mountains were going to be here when you arrived? And he looked at me, shook his head, and he said, yeah, I knew that. Then I said, did you know that this river was going to be running by our camp before you got here? And he said, yes. Well, then my final question to him was, well, then how can you believe these things to be true if you have never seen them with your own eyes? And then he kind of looked at me like, Back off, buddy. So, could it be, though, that the excitement, the stories on the bus there, or the stories leading up to this trip, and the eyewitness account of those that came before him, that came before us, led him to have reason to believe that the mountains and the river would be there when we arrived? I would say so, even though my eyes had never personally seen those things. I heard about a river that was running by our camp. I heard about the beautiful mountains that would surround us. And I believed wholeheartedly when I got there, that's exactly what I was going to see. So let's continue in our journey with the ancients as we see faith in action from lives lived by faith, by faith, by faith. Starting in verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with the faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with the foundation whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own if they had not If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing 
for a better country, a heavenly one. I'm going to stop right there. That word, how many of you are longing? How many of you are longing for the day where there is no more pain? Longing for a day where there is no more suffering? Longing for the day where there's no more mortgage? Where there's no financial issues? Where there's no relational issues? Where there's no, no more divorce? Where there's no more loss of children? Where there's no more war across this war? How many of you are longing or how many of you are looking back to the place that we all need to leave? We need to be looking ahead. Looking ahead to the heavenly places. Looking ahead to heaven. Longing for that country. Living by faith as the ancients did before us. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. We know that story all too well. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Because why? God was faithful and he provided. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, get this, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. How many times are we distracted by the treasures of this world and the things that we could gravitate to instead of gravitating to Jesus. Instead of taking up our cross daily and following Him. You want to be my disciples, Jesus said. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt. Because He was looking ahead to His reward. By faith He left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. How can you see him who is invisible if he wasn't looking through these eyes? You know the song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Is that your praise this morning? Is that what you are longing for? For by faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea. Adam, you mentioned that, buddy? This morning they passed on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So not only is God providing for his people, but he takes care of the enemy as well. He has a faithful God, 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. And guess what? That was not by any military action. That was just being faithful to what God said to do. And God took care of it. Amen? By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? And right here he's saying, man, there's so much more to say. There's so, more, there's so much more people involved in this story. There's so much more to say. I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Now there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Wow. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Right there. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. Sometimes faith can look a little scary, can it? Living a life by faith can look pretty scary at times. And some of you might say, if that's what faith is, then I can't do it. Or, you know, I don't have that kind of faith. Or maybe some of you are saying, you know, I, honestly, I don't know if I have faith at all. And if that's you, let me just say this, that fear is an enemy to faith. Fear is lying to you because faith trumps fear every time. I'm going to go back just a little bit to our trip in Colorado. On our day of climbing mountains and rappelling, towards the end we had one young lady. And we looked up, we're all kind of visiting, you know, at the base of these mountains. We're just sitting there, we're visiting, and we look up. See one of the students up there, and they're hanging over the edge kind of right here. We're like, okay, who is that? We start yelling her name. We're like, all right, you can do it. 
You can do it. We believe in you. Come on, you've got this. You can do it. We said that time and time again. And then Adam, man, at one point I even heard Adam say, Come on down, we're going to get some ice cream. We're going to get some ice cream when you get down. I tell you what, that's, that was enough to get me going, Adam. Finally, after a while, one of the gods came along and she got right beside our student. And she said, I'm going to do this with you. And finally, after about 30 minutes of us cheering her on, saying, you can do it. We believe in you. Don't be afraid. Because that's what she was, y'all. She was frozen. She was frozen in her fear. Fear. Fear will cripple you. If you hold on to fear, you cannot operate. But what happened with her is the moment that she decided, I'm going. I'm going to do this. She looked at the guy next to her. They went. You know what she did? She did the hardest thing right there of the rappel. And you know what that is? She took the first step. She took the first step of faith. Because there's one thing I can promise you about rappelling. Once you take the first step off the edge, you are hanging there by a rope. You are hanging in a harness, and you have to depend on all those things. You have to have faith. You have to take that first step of faith. So when she chose to have faith over her fear, she made it safely to the ground. But here's the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't that it took all of us cheering her on. It wasn't that she needed the guide to be next to her because here's the thing. She was fully equipped to repel before she even made it up to the edge of the cliff. She was fully equipped with everything she needed for that adventure. She had a safety harness on. She had a rope that was tested to let an elephant down the side of the cliff. That rope was tested for 6,000 pounds. She had a helmet on. She had good instruction, step by step, of what was going to happen, what she needed to do. But you know what? None of that mattered when fear keeps you from taking the first step of faith. None of that matters when fear keeps us from taking that first step of faith. So I, I want to ask this question this morning. What are you holding on to? What's keeping you from taking that first step of faith? Because the truth is, every one of us are equipped as well. Every one of us are equipped for this life of faith because God is faithful. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The same Spirit is an advocate that will never leave you. 
He is faithful. Now, you might be going through hell on earth this morning. You might be going through something that the neighbor sitting next to you has no idea about. You might be sitting next to a family member that you have no idea what they are going through. But you can hold on to the faithful promises of God like I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you can hold on to these promises like he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He is faithful. We are equipped to live this life of faithfulness. Jesus Christ, God is not shocked. God is not set back. He is not surprised. When we are in a valley, when we are in the deepest, darkest pits, he's not surprised and he's very aware of when we're going well and things are on top of the mountain. You know why? Because he's the God of both. He's the God of the valley and he's the God of the mountain. He is faithful. Donnie and I went this year. It's, I mean to say it's been a tough year. Donnie and I experienced two miscarriages this year, this year alone. And that's tough. That's tough. But I know that as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above my ways and His thoughts above my thoughts. And I am... More than excited to announce this morning that Donnie is pregnant with twins. He is faithful. God is faithful. When we truly believe that God is who He says He is and we hold tight to His promises, we too can put faith in action and we can find faith over fear no matter what circumstances we face, no matter what we come face to face with. I just want to take three minutes and 19 seconds to share a video. Let this be a pep rally of faith. But I want you to understand in the words of, of this preacher right here, if you haven't understood it so far, he does his best to explain who that faithful one is, who that king is. I want you to watch. I want you to soak in and realize when you are down in the valley, when you think you can't go any further, just remember you serve a faithful God who loves you. You serve a God who says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That you are more than a conqueror. I pray that every one of us in here have been encouraged this morning to put our faith into action. And when the time calls it and we're faced with these things, that we can have faith over fear. And mostly I pray that we never forget God's faithfulness and promises to His children. Adam, if you wouldn't mind coming up. I, I told him I want to do something a little bit. We're, we're wrapping up here, but we're going to have another time of prayer. Because I pray that maybe a different light was shed on faith for you this morning. Maybe this morning you... You were just reminded of the faith that you knew to be true, but maybe you're seeing faith now in a completely different light, in a completely different way. And elders, if you would, stand at the back as well. This is going to be a time...
just to surrender, to let go, trust that God truly is who He said He is, to trust and to believe what you have reason to believe is true, to have no doubt in your mind that this is true. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.